Hello, Nathan Foster here. Welcome once again to the Renovare Weekly Podcast. You know what I really like about getting to do these podcasts is I, I get to interview um, interesting people and people that uh, I know and people I respect. And this week I get to interview one of my favorite living authors, Jay Brent Bill. Brent's um, written a, a new book, recent book called Life Lessons from a Bad Quaker, A Humble Stumble Towards Simplicity and Grace. He's authored a number of books, including one of my favorites is Holy Silence, The Gift of Quaker Spirituality. Um, any rate, I hope uh, you enjoy listening to Brent and I chat a little bit. Uh, and if you want more information about Brent, you can find him on his website, brentbill.com. Also, he's pretty active on Twitter, which is at brentbill. As always, thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Brent, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? Hey, this is a, a monumental podcast for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, not not just because I get to talk to you, but because it's the first one I've recorded in Florida. Oh, very cool. As we are very hot, I but, guess. Yeah, it is still for fall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we just moved to Saint Augustine, and uh, I get to move out of the hotel finally tomorrow. Yay, verily. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I get to do a podcast here, which is cool. Yeah. Um, hey, you've written a, you've written a new book, uh, Life Lessons from a Bad Quaker, Humble Stumble yeah. Towards Simplicity and Grace. Uh, can you tell us a, a little bit about it? Well, uh, it's sort of the book I've been wanting to write for a long time. Um, uh, for the last uh, 15 years, I've been writing uh, – books about uh, uh, Quaker-rooted spirituality for non-Quakers, mm -hmm. and it started with this, uh, a book called Holy Silence, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Gift of Quaker Spirituality, uh, which just came out in a new edition this week. I saw actually. that. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, your dad and Parker Palmer endorsed, which was, hey. was pretty cool. But... Um, Great book, by my, the way. I know I've told oh, you that before, but I just oh, love well, that thanks. book. It's one of my favorites. But um, my uh, editor on those on Holy Silence and then Sacred Compass and uh, Mind the Light, Lil Copan, uh, was always saying, you know, uh, you're really kind of a quirky guy. And so uh, uh, she goes, and you're kind of funny. And wouldn't it be fun to do a book uh, that was kind of quirky and funny about uh, Quaker faith for everybody else uh -huh. and uh, why you think it's important, you know, what people can learn, not to get people to become Quaker, but again, like I read uh, the Continental Mystics and others to, to enhance my Quaker faith, uh -huh. uh, what, what do Quakers have to say uh, to people across the Christian spectrum that that they might find helpful in their faith walk. And, and so, uh, it, I first started out serious and she goes, this is no fun. <laughs> you know, I want you to be yourself mm -hmm. in this book. And I thought, you'll be sorry <laughs> because, uh, but we were talking one day and I said, well, you know, it's, it's sort of hard to write these books because, uh, you know, Quaker spirituality has a lot of richness to it, and uh, 
I think people think we're better than we are. Mm. And as, uh, and I'm, I'm just a bad Quaker. And, um, then later that, I think that same week, Diana Butler Bass, uh, this, uh, you know, writer called me up about, uh, American Christianity and, and I told her, well, you know, I'm, I'm just not, I'm a bad Christian. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so Lil heard that interview and she, she goes, there you go. You got to go with the bad. What do you mean by you're a bad Quaker? I said, I'm not very good at these practices that, uh, Quakerism espouses, mm-hmm. uh, silence, uh, simplicity, uh, peacefulness. Mm-hmm. equality, uh, care of the earth, these uh, all seem to run kind of contrary to my nature, mm-hmm. and I just don't live up mm-hmm. to them all the time. But I need to be a Quaker personally because they they force me to have to deal with these as part of my faith. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they... They are part of the Quaker rootedness in how uh, faith is not just theology or the intellectual assent to theological ideas, but uh, also has to be uh, practiced in daily life. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I'm still at 65, not very good at being a good Quaker, and I'm not a bad Quaker in the sense that I have bodies buried out in the backyard or anything <laughs> like that. Um, but I'm just not good at being simple and graceful and silent. And mm-hmm. so I thought, um, and we, we actually, uh, f- a friend of mine and I started as a joke, the association of bad friends. Cause of course, as you know, the, the real name of the, the Quakers is the religious society of friends mm-hmm. and it. And we started as a joke because we felt like we weren't very good Quakers and maybe there'd be others who'd want to join it. And now there are over 3,000 members <laughs> on Facebook of this, this group of self-avowed Quakers who just aren't very good at being Quakers. So I thought, I'll bet there's a lot of Christians who feel that same way. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, as the old gospel mm-hmm. song says, but, uh, they're just not very good at it. So this mm-hmm. is a book of humor and encouragement and also some admissions about how imperfect uh, Quakers are. There's sections, you know, moments in bad Quaker history where we we really blew it. Mm-hmm. it it's interesting to me because, um, I, mean, I mean, I know you a little bit, you know, not well, but, yeah. but you do – Strike me as someone who is peaceful and simple and, and concerned about justice things. Um, y- yet you're not where you want to be with those things. Yes. Is that, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and there's that tension of I want to do, you know, be more, but yet I'm assuming you've come a long ways in the years. Yeah. I mean, uh, if I would compare my, uh, 20 year old self and my, 30-year-old self and 40, uh, hopefully there's a progression. Uh, I think uh, the people who lived with me a long time, like uh, my wife and children, uh, probably noticed the change. And and those I've uh, 
gone to worship with over the years. It was uh, when this book came out, actually one of the people I've known the longest, um, 35 years, I think, who knew me when I was a youth minister, uh-huh. um, actually goes, I never thought I'd see you write anything deep. <laughs> it's like, you know, you've always been writing books and they were interesting and stuff, but um, you have you have something to say in a way that you you can say it now that you couldn't have, uh, mm. you know, when you were uh, the 29-year-old uh, youth worker for the yearly meeting, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, our denomination. And so, that's gratifying to hear, and I see it in my, I, I am more peaceful than I used mm-hmm. to be, and I value the silence more than I used to um, because I know how much I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, that I need those, I need the Sabbath and I need uh, the peacefulness, uh, not, not so much because I'm naturally uh, pacifistic, but because I'm naturally argumentative. Mm-hmm. And I'm, a, and I can like that way too much mm-hmm. to uh, to uh, be able. Uh, I mean, I was never a person who was in street fights or anything like that or bar fights, but uh, I, I was a big arguer and had to always be right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not as much that way. Uh-huh. Anymore, and it, it's faith that has changed me. It's, it's sort of like uh, the Colorado River cutting through the Grand Canyon. That didn't happen overnight, but the eons have carved that away to a thing of beauty. And hopefully, uh, the Holy Spirit working in my life is doing that same kind of erosion, getting rid of the the ugly and making mm-hmm. something beautiful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I really like this because it's. I mean, it's celebrating your shortcomings in a way and and not, um, you know, saying I can't grow, I can't go further with things or, yeah. but just here's who I am, here's where I'm at and, and keep going and working with these things. I, th- I think uh, the world longs for honest people of faith mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this sense of, uh, gosh, I'm just, you know, I, I don't want to take and I'm not taking political sides, but when you look at candidates who talk about how important their faith is, and yet they don't seem to line up very closely with the teachings of Jesus, mm-hmm. and they don't seem to get the disconnect, mm-hmm. uh, then those uh, folks who might be hungry for something to ground themselves in – like a spiritual experience, are distrustful <laughs> of that. And so, why, w- why would I want to follow uh, the way of Christ when people who are doing it uh, uh, are saying one thing and yet their actions aren't lining up at all? And <laughs> so, I think uh, people are hungry for honesty <laughs> in our faith and to say um, and to look for fellow pilgrims to go with, not the fellow saints who are perfect, but, you know, uh, I, I tend to trust those who have stumbled 
<laughs> and fallen and have bruised knees and scars <laughs> than I do those who uh, look uh, perfect. <laughs> well, it's much more real to life. I mean, certainly we do get to change and grow and transformation mm-hmm. does happen, but um, there's something really sincere about saying, I don't have this all together. And um, so come along, let's do it together. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, I have an interesting question for you. Uh, that I okay. Asked, after I was looking through your book, I asked my dad. And so I'm curious to hear what your answer might be. I said, does it seem to you like Quakers tend to be funny people? Because <laughs> when I think about, I mean, I would consider you to be a very, you know, funny person, Bill. You're, you have this wonderful dry sense of humor. But when I look around at a lot of Quakers, I know it seems to be a lot of really funny people. Uh, <laughs> there are a number, although, you know, there aren't any, like, uh, there's no, uh, the humor of George Fox book or anything like that. Uh, I think the early Quakers were pretty humorless a lot. Uh, they're pretty, uh, pretty intense. But, um, yeah, I think a number of modern Quakers, especially those of us who take the faith, uh, pretty seriously, take mm-hmm. faith seriously, uh, see, um, The shortcomings that we have, and and that that's where you know a lot of humor, of course, is about. We have this ideal, and people falling short because they're either goofy or stupid or something like that. And so, yeah, a lot of Quakers do get. We're we're just a quirky kind of bunch, and we have a quirky way of uh, doing uh, worship compared to you know. It seems quirky to many people, this idea we're going to sit around in silence. It's like uh, <laughs> there was uh, uh, this supposed church shopper who's on YouTube, and it's not that I recommend it, but uh, one of the things she talked about was she was visiting churches, which was all a joke. But she looked in on the Quakers, and she goes, well, it just looked like my AA group. (laughs) There's these people sitting around in silence, and nobody's saying anything. And so after 20 minutes of that, I finally got up and said, hi, my name's Betty, and I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She goes, yeah, they're weirder than the Unitarians. And so uh, we are, and we know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that sense, and we, uh, so it's easy for us in some ways to be funny about it. And there, there are some funny Quakers. Mm-hmm. There are some who take it in dead earnest, too, uh, which unfortunately, like in any faith, um, uh, just sucks the life out of it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but most of our humor tends to be self deprecatory. You know, right. so we're not making fun of the Baptists. Well, not out loud, uh, but, uh, but we make fun of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, well, you know. okay. So here's what my dad, my dad's answer to this. He, yeah. He was okay. just kind of thinking about it, and and I was kind of naming some people that we knew, and you know, um, and and he says, I wonder if that's this marriage of humility and simplicity that 
we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. We're not trying to be something we're not. And then humility kind of that then you get kind of a culture that creates kind of earthy self-deprecating people. Yeah. I, th- I think that in some ways that that's true, although that sounds kind of prideful to, <laughs> to say, you know, it's like having a, a license plate that says HMBL space QKR, you know, humble Quaker. Uh, but, but, uh, there is this sort of, um, the deeper we grow in faith, and I would say this is true in, in any faith tradition, the more we realize that, uh, we have all fallen short, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, we can either, um, like the John Irving novel I'm reading now that has a priest in it, uh, self-flagellation, we can do that. Or we can laugh at ourselves, uh, rely on grace, and move forward. Mm-hmm. Which is which is a little bit healthier. I'm I'm not going to judge, but for me, the healthier is to 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 uh, throw myself on grace and realize that. Uh, uh, yeah, I am going to fall short. So instead of crying all the time, to laugh about it, learn from it, uh, make fun of my own self in a book like Life Lessons and and reveal my shortcomings, which as I look at them, it's like, oh, Brent, I cannot believe you did something that stupid, <laughs> you know, thinking you were in the right or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, or why it took you so long to learn this lesson. But I, I, I'm still learning all the time. I, I was telling a group uh, recently, you know, um, <laughs> that uh, when I think I, w- I think I was 25 and I went to see my grandmother, who's a, who I, at that time I considered a Quaker saint because she was old and really smart, you know. <laughs> and uh, I went to see her and, and uh, was asking her some advice. And then I said, uh, you know, oh, Grandmother Bill, I can't wait. Till I'm your age and I have it figured out, and you know, and God, I'm walking so close to God that there's, you know, that I'm not dealing with, you know, and at that time, at 25 years old, young man, you know, lust and every all these things coming in, mm-hmm. and she just looked at me like I was a moron, <laughs> you know, because she was a really old lady of 65, <laughs> you know, and he, and she's like. Well, what what makes you think it's any easier? And at sixty five, I, I, I'm really getting what she means. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm further down the Pilgrim Road, but if uh, if uh, the people who say, well, you know, uh, God won't take you till you're ready, mm-hmm. uh, well, man, I'm going to live till I'm ninety five <laughs> or one hundred fifty because. I'm I'm learning all the way, and mm. and I like that. I like the person that all these lessons have made me, even the hard ones. Mm-hmm. I would not be who I am today without my failings. Yeah, I'm sorry for them, and uh, there's times I think, especially in my misspent youth ministry, I hope I didn't do any damage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but again, grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems to be prevalent and I need to accept that for myself as well. Mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Step by step. You you said something before we started recording, and and you're, we we're talking about your, some of your health stuff. Do can yeah. I talk about that? Is that yes. is that okay? Yeah, because because you yeah. just about died like yeah. last month or something, right? Yeah, about six weeks ago. Uh, yeah, I, I got home from a summer of traveling, basically, and developed a sniffle on a Saturday. And by Monday, I couldn't breathe uh, completely. I couldn't get a sentence out even and uh, uh, took myself – well, I got my wife uh, to drive me to the immediate care. Next thing I knew was in the back of an ambulance headed to a hospital uh, with uh, pneumonia and uh, congestive heart failure and uh, – it was so bad. I thought, well, this could be it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Well, this, this, what caught my attention in this? Your reaction to facing death. Yeah. Irritation is it frustration? Yeah, it was pretty hacked off. <laughs> actually, uh, it, I mean, when I couldn't breathe at the worst, I, at first I was scared because I had been trying to sleep and I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. And then I thought I'll get up, and then I thought I can't get, I can bear, I I don't know that I can, I can't breathe, I mm-hmm. can. Um, and then uh, by the time they loaded me in the hospital or in the ambulance, because I I just wanted to give have them give me some medicine and send me home, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And they're going, no, you can't, you can't, you you know, this is. <laughs> the biggest disappointment, they didn't throw the lights and siren on. <laughs> I just have enough of my sense of humor at that moment that I, I asked for that. And they, they just looked at me like I was an idiot. Uh, but You're paying for it. Most, you might as well get the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's my first trip in an ambulance ever, you know. And uh, But I, was, I wasn't so much scared as I was just really irritated that – uh, there was still so much I, I wanted to do mm-hmm. in this life. And uh, things I wanted to say, I thought, if if this is it, uh, I won't get to talk to my son in Japan again, mm-hmm. who's lived there for 20 years. Uh, I won't see him. There's no chance. I won't. He, Because I can't call him now. I can't even talk. Mm-hmm. I think I'm dying, and uh, all I could do was, uh, you know, I couldn't even talk to my wife. I could squeeze her hand, and it just felt so frustrated. Um, I said I wasn't scared, and I thought, well, I've been lucky to 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 have lived the life I've lived, mm-hmm. and I don't have any true regrets other than. There's still stuff I I want to do, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the um, but okay, God, uh, sure. here we go. Let's see what this adventure is going to be like. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you get to hang around for some some more years. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> hey, it, it, before we close things up, there's a piece in in your book that I wonder if you could tell the story too. Because you got a cease and assist order from Quaker Oatmeal. 
Oh, we're going to bring that up. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's when it was uh, when I was uh, in my young myths, misspent youth ministry, I call it. Um, when I uh, was working for our our regional office as the Christian education director, and I was also doing some outreach work, and we thought it'd be fun to put together a series of ads that played on our stereotypes, or at least mm-hmm. I thought it would be fun. <laughs> and so, uh, and we we did a whole series, one on, uh, it had a Quaker hat, and it said, Quakers are an old hat, and uh, <laughs> Picked the latest in Quaker transportation. Had a horse and buggy versus a brand new car. And, but my favorite was when I I took a uh, a series. It was a shot of a line of Quaker oats uh, boxes, and it said, "These aren't the only Quakers in town." And then <laughs> uh, had a th- uh, thing underneath it that. Meetings could drop in their own information to invite people there, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it also played on the, uh, at that time, Quaker Oats tagline was, nothing is better for thee than me. Okay. And supposedly the Oats man saying it. And we had nothing is better for thee than we. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, some of the meetings started using it. And then, uh, lo and behold, uh, uh, people started finding that them funny, and they they started calling me uh, news news stations and re- television stations, and the AP picked it up, and it went national. And then the next thing I know is I get a letter from Quaker Oats <laughs> lawyers uh, telling me to cease and desist uh, using uh, anything that even closely resembled. The Quaker Oats box, or their tagline, or they would sue my Quaker gray socks off my. <laughs> and um, so I did write back and say, "Well, we were Quakers before you were, uh, because uh, Quaker Oats has nothing to do with Quakers at all. Okay. It's never been a Quaker company or anything. They just used the name because we were known for integrity and quality and so mm-hmm. forth." <laughs> But then they wrote back again, and it was obvious their pockets were much deeper than mine, and uh, uh, so I ceased and desisted uh, <laughs> using that. But I still thought it was one of the one clever idea, and uh, yeah, I yeah. agree. I'm very I kept I kept that letter. I still have it. <laughs> All twenty pages of legalese. <laughs> Hey, real quick, tell us, do you have a, a new writing project you're working on? Uh, well, I, I mentioned that uh, the the new version of Holy Silence mm-hmm. just came out. It's expanded. It's about a third longer because uh, I've learned uh, even more about silence than when I first wrote the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I hope uh, that... Uh, my publisher will pick up a book that I'm wanting to write called, uh, uh, and have started writing called uh, Four Words. Okay. Beauty, Truth, Life, and Love, which mm-hmm. I consider four words essential to discernment. Mm-hmm. We often think about uh, duty or obligation 
uh, as we think about what's God want me to do, but do we think about will this create something beautiful? Mm-hmm. Will it um, bring life? Mm-hmm. Is it true to who I am and who God is? And ultimately, does my vot- motivation to do this spring from love? Mm-hmm. Because what does God's salvation and grace spring from other than love? Mm-hmm. So ultimately, uh, are we making lives of beauty, truth, life, and love? Mm, beautiful. I like it. I like it a lot. Thanks. I hope I hope that comes to play, comes to be. Well, thank you so much, Brent, for taking the time to chat. Oh, it's been my pleasure. It's been good to be with you, <laughs> even if it's virtually. <laughs> yes, yes.